That is not dead which can eternal lie, and with strange eons even death may die. Welcome to the first episode of the Great Old Ones Podcast. I'm Nate, lost in time and space, and with me are my two co-hosts. I'm uh, Cameron, a.k.a. Man from Lang. I uh, host the uh, Whisper in Darkness YouTube channel. And we're here to talk about Arkham Horror the Card Game. So... I guess before we kick off into the first mythos phase here, um, is there anything we want to uh, say say about ourselves personally before we kick the show off? Or well, I uh, I picked up the game uh, shortly after it was released, and uh, I've been playing it ever since, and uh, been producing content uh, on the Whisper in Darkness for two years now. So. Um, Played over 450 games and counting. Um, still loving it. Wow. Yeah, I, so I'm actually kind of totally on the opposite end of the spectrum where I recently picked the game up um, at the beginning of TFA and then have worked my way back since then. So, mm. And I, st I started creating content in October of last year, so it's only been a few months for me. So... Um, so it's kind of cool working with you as you're kind of the, I guess, seasoned veteran among the three of us. Oh, dear God. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I actually interned at FFG 10 years ago to the date, actually. Um, so I was there for four months from January to April of 2009. And so this was back during the Call of Cthulhu, the card game, for those old shout-out people, if, yeah, if they I've, remember that game. I've got my, uh, I still have my entire set of Call of Cthulhu. I've got a, a friend uh, in a city nearby who I play with uh, from time to time still when we, uh, when we get the chance to break out the decks. He was a, a stalwart uh, Star Wars CCG player, and uh, I... Uh, demoed call of cthulhu for him uh one afternoon and he went out and started buying all the sets and i think he's only missing like one pack at this point wow that is, i actually uh, you know it's funny i actually don't re really remember playing much of it when i interned there because i played a lot of the kingdom hearts card game that was released during that time um and that was actually a lot of the big reason why i worked there um was i was the the only national champion for the card game and then kind of basically just bugged the shit out of the marketing team until they gave me an internship well sometimes that's what you've you've got to do you've got to uh you got to pester, pester people to get yeah. your uh, foot in the door squeaky wheel right yeah yeah so so that's my history of this nerd dumb so um looks like we're apparently now missing somebody so uh, I guess we'll just jump right into the mythos phase here and start talking about Return to Dunwich. Um, so what did you what did you think about Return to Dunwich? Did you like it? What did you like? What did you not like? Well, to be to be perfectly honest, I haven't had a chance to play it yet because uh, I've just been too busy with uh, with all the other stuff. The uh, I have looked through some of the cards as uh, I've had to scan them into my system and. Uh, I do like the look of it. I'm a big fan of the uh, of the return to uh, 
idea. I uh, used to play that, or I still do play the uh, Lord of the Rings LCG, and uh, was a big fan of the uh, the Nightmare Mythos packs, uh, or not Mythos packs, but uh, scenario packs in that uh, in that game, and so. I like when the, the designers revisit the old scenarios and, and tinker with them a little bit and, uh, and uh, make them a little tougher for, for people who have uh, played them uh, a lot, as I have. Uh, I know uh, the, uh, the Dunwich Legacy campaign is still one of, my, one of my favorites, probably because I can play it pretty quickly at this point. Yeah. And so I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to, uh, to sitting down and... Uh, making my way through it again my my only beef with the uh with the return to series is that uh, especially when you're playing solo your your experience with it can be really uh really varies just because it depends so much on which cards you see and and which cards you don't i know uh when i played uh return to the gathering four player i mean you pretty much you're gonna see every new card that's yeah. in the deck Whereas if you're playing solo, there's a chance you can uh, you can get through it without uh, seeing any of the new cards. Although I do like uh, I do like what they did with the the first return to uh, box. You know they they made you know the gathering is still pretty straightforward, but uh, yeah, that I mean first... they basically you know gave that scenario like a complete revamping and made it a real scenario. And yeah, I think locations and other things. It, if you're experienced, I mean, you can beat that scenario. <clears throat> excuse me, you can beat that scenario before Agenda Two A, before Agenda Three A. Sorry. So if you, if you can get, if you, if you're fast enough, you can beat it before that Agenda Three A becomes an issue. And and now with the the Return to uh, package, it's it's a lot harder to do that. And so yeah. you actually have to to worry about Agenda Three A a little more. And I expect that when I do. Uh, get down to play return to the, to the Dunwich legacy that uh, some of those later agendas that uh, that I don't see as much was are going to become me, uh, or did you guys more get of an issue of like I know uh, for example like uh, I think it's uh, Miskatonic University like I think I rarely ever make it to agenda 3a on that one and uh, and uh, blood on the altar same thing you know it's if I'm not done by agenda midway through agenda two two way something has gone yeah. wrong seriously gone wrong. So I expect when I sit down to play those that the the uh, the doom count's gonna gonna rise and I'm gonna yeah the that games was, are gonna be a little longer. That was definitely one thing I noticed playing through it the couple of times that I did play through it solo was that the the overall um, I guess consistency of the doom was higher. Um, I feel like a lot of the time in Dunwich, like you were saying, there are definitely scenarios in that campaign where you can kind of pretty quickly run through them once you get the hang of it. Um, but then the opposite happens when you're playing something like Essex County Express and you can just, you know, straight up die in the first couple of turns. So I like that overall the campaign attempts to kind of smooth things out, but I still... I just wish they would do more with the return two sets rather than just kind of injecting new encounter cards into the sets, but that's just me, I guess. I wish they would do more with the player cards or something, I guess. 
Yeah, I know. I I didn't do a review for the uh, the player cards from the the first return to box on my channel. I think largely just because I was I was kind of disappointed in them. To be honest, the like I know the the revamped talents are, you know, they're nice, but I don't think they're essential, and they're not really game breaking in any any way. Like they don't really no like turn players in new directions or really spawn new decks you know they're there if you happen to have two experience points to spend um i looked through the uh the player cards in in dunwich legacy and you know i saw the clarity of mind in there is in there and i've never played clarity of mind at level zero and i just don't see myself playing it at at level two or three or whatever it's at it's level three yeah 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 it's not just, too great i just sure. don't see myself buying it you know it you know it'd it's nice thing, that it's yeah it'd be one thing if carolyn could trigger her reaction with it twice but you can only trigger it once i believe right right that's right yep yeah so uh, it's yeah I, yeah I think the uh return to sets the biggest miss for most of them is in the player cards they definitely could have done a bit more with that or just or just pick more interesting cards, I guess. Yeah. I feel like I feel like every time they do these sets, they kind of pick boring cards in general. Well, I think they might be the cards that are easiest to to sort of tinker with, you know, to make them tweak maybe to make them a little bit stronger. You know, I know it like I saw that there was another strange solution in there and I think everybody knows there's really only one strange solution that anybody <laughs> plays. And yeah, there's unless, only one acidic kicker. You know, unless that strange solution is going to be as good or better than that one, players aren't going to look at it. And so yeah. I don't there's know what it no... does, but... Yeah. yeah. And... It, it doesn't make sense to throw in another another version of strange solution. And um, I think they're just trying to inject life into some of the less used cards. Strange Solution was the exception. I think that's that was a weird one. That was a weird choice for them for sure. Yeah, I do. I do like the level two contraband. I think that's pretty neat. I still think it's a little overcosted for what it does, but I like it. And I do like the new Rise to the Occasion. That card is also very good. Yeah, I'm just I'm just looking at the list here, and I think the ones that stood out to me was Bandolier looked pretty good. Yep. I can't honestly figure out why they made level two blackjack i mean level one <laughs> black level zero blackjack is useless uh preposterous sketches two is probably okay uh i'm not sure what it it's a I think it's, it's joe free. diamond yeah it's the is joe it diamond free? version yeah. yeah contraband i mean the level zero version is ridiculously expensive yeah mm-hmm. uh, think on your feet i've played a little bit i can't honestly remember what the the level two version does the level two version so i'll I'll read it off real quick for uh listeners of the podcast it is a zero cost uh, two experience asset with one intellect and two uh, two agility skill icons bearing the trick trait and it reads fast play when an enemy enters your location immediately move to a location and in parentheses the enemy still enters your previous location so yeah like I I feel like a lot of the time when you use think on your feet you're kind of it's kind of has the dodge symptom I guess a lot of people use dodge when they don't really need to use dodge they kind of just use it because they have it does mm-hmm. that make sense 
Like, yeah. you you just take an attack of opportunity just because you have dodge. I see what you mean, yeah. Y- it's, yeah. It's never in, a, in an instance where it's a, it's a lifesaver. It's actually going to gonna really help you in the scenario it's kind of just right like, well i might as well use this yeah like I, I can't really think of a situation where i'd play think on my feet first or think on your feet versus something like elusive or even um even something like stunning blow or something like that yeah i'm I trying to you. remember the deck that i played think on your feet in and it actually worked okay i think it was during curtain call uh i liked it to get away from from some of those enemies that would spawn as long as the clues were uh, you know as long as i picked up all the clues and i was able to think on your feet out of that location when one of those when one of those many enemies would spawn it was like a free a free action to get myself you know to speed things up a little bit yeah but i, I think yeah. i tend to cut it more often than not yeah and do you really see yourself spending four experience to include two copies of this in your deck (laughs) no i think i think i think that's think on your feet is one of those cards you're probably replacing with with other more powerful cards you're not necessarily thinking on replacing think on your feet i mean i see there's right of seeking as well but that's more of a bridge uh between the the um, level the free version and the the higher level I think the level two, the level two right of seeking is useful for those multiplayer games where you don't need to be picking up. I think the level four gets you three clues, right? When you succeed. Yeah, it's it's quite two additional clues. It's really really strong, but there's a lot of times like you won't need that in a in a solo game or a two player game. Um, The right of seeking level two would be good for something like that, but yeah. or as a step up, like you were saying, Nate, um, you know, if you want to incrementally upgrade eventually to the level four version. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and going on the like, what, like, I just don't understand some of the like, why, why is there oops? Like, wh- what? Yeah, like, I, what? I only played <laughs> oops in one deck, and that was a combo Wendy deck, and that was just for the two. Uh, the two combat skill icons it was never yeah. to play oops yeah it's just so, some it's just some strange choices yeah i hear us all talking about these these cards in this uh the player cards in this return set and it seems like all of them are very like special cases they have uses in specific decks or specific builds but none of them have a universal appeal and other than maybe rise to occasion uh, yeah because yeah. i mean that card's pretty insane yeah but. <laughs> Um, yeah, like I've, I'm rec- I've been recently playing through TFA with a couple of friends of mine, and I'm playing Leo Anderson, and I'm like trying to make contraband level two work, but ah, God, it's so hard. Like my plan is to just buy lightning guns and contraband and just <laughs> lightning gun the shit out of some some snake monsters. So hopefully it goes out well, but we'll see. Um, I one thing that I do like too is they added a weakness, but yeah, I just wish they would do more. Yeah, I like I like the fact they added the weakness as well. I mean, it's the weakness pool is up to twenty six, I think, at this point. If you own everything, so you're not gonna. It's nice to have a lot of of variation in the you know a lot of different choices and weakness. I'm a big fan of weaknesses. I think they add a lot of depth to the to the game and to the character. You know, it's uh, 
it's definitely a good thing when you have a, lot, a big pool of weaknesses. Yep. But, um, so, um, Cameron hasn't played through any of the scenarios, so he wasn't really able to oh. share his thoughts, but what do, what do you think about the scenarios as a whole? I think as a whole, the return to doesn't make a tremendous impact in a lot of them. Um, I did mix, I, I did a lot of playthroughs where I mixed the two. There's an option where you can take half and half of the cards from the original set that are, and then the ones that are supposed to replace them and just put half in. And that, that added a, a really nice dynamic. Um, but overall, I don't think the changes are overly drastic. Uh, there's a couple of scenarios where it does make a tremendous difference. Um, where Doom Awaits being a big one, that was a, a major pain in a lot of people's backs with that bug in the very beginning. Yeah. Uh, for those who, who don't know, there's a, there's a location in Where Doom Awaits in the original Dunwich Legacy where if you don't have a high investigate value or don't have a way to investigate at a high number, you're pretty much stuck and you can lose the entire game right there. Um, so they fix that so that a lot of investigators that don't have high intellect or use cards to gain clues uh, for free without taking a test can actually still move the the act forward so that was a nice change um, the the ones that stick out are definitely where Duma waits I like that they added a lot of variety to the to the creatures in um, what's the what's the one before the name escapes me um, uh, dimensioned and unseen undimensioned and unseen so now there's a lot of variety in the abilities and and the strengths of the creatures so that's that's definitely interesting and adds a, li a little bit more to that scenario i found that scenario very boring uh the first time around this kind of adds a little variety so that was nice um the one that's that's really out there is um the final scenario it's just in pure insanity I've, i haven't been able to win it yet uh, lost in time and space it's it's brutal man it's brutal that one is the changes that they made to it are just absolute insanity it's yeah. great I, I love it <laughs> like nine nine why why <laughs> right <laughs> why yeah yeah it's just it's so crazy it just makes you crack up <laughs> yeah uh it's like it's like reading the back of uh what is that agenda or um yeah agenda 2b on um curtain call it's yeah, like take a hundred horror. They're like, what? No. Pretty much, yeah. Um, so, what do we do? We think the the return two sets overall are are something that was necessary for the game. I think they're I think they're necessary. Um, I mean, obviously, people don't have to buy them if they don't want to, and and uh, I mean, we've already talked about the player cards being. Mm -hmm fairly specialized so i don't think you're really missing out if you don't happen to have uh clarity clarity of mind level three your your or oops level two it's not gonna break your game uh, for players like myself who play a lot and sort of play scenarios repeatedly uh, i like having them just to to mix things things up a little bit I'd sort of like to see the the return to series sort of smooth out some of the the issues with the the scenarios. Like I, I really do like the the Dunwich Legacy campaign, except for Undimensioned and Unseen, because it is so uh, punishing on low willpower investigators. And 
basically these days I just skip it. Like I'll just I'll and it I'll just go into to blood on the altar, bomb it, take my you know take the freebie because then I only get like one or two I think two of the horrors and then I'll just resign automatically on undimensioned and then I'll just take the two the two doom yeah for where doom awaits because it's just not worth my time trying to figure out how I'm going to boost a a two willpower investigator up to six seven eight yeah. nine willpower for like not one test but repeatedly like 12 yeah you've got to do it three or four times per game and and you know unless you've really uh, planned for that ahead of time and you've built your deck in a very specific way you're just not going to be able to do that and so I'd, I'd like to see them deal with issues like that like that that things that in hindsight you look at and say okay well we're sort of limiting the types of investigators that can that can play these scenarios like that's what i would like i would like them to address with with these sorts of sets yeah i think one thing that kind of makes that difficult is that they're trying to balance a solo and a multiplayer game all at once so i think um not to say that what you're saying is invalid but it can it's definitely you're walking a bit of a tightrope i guess um, you know, because you obviously want to have investigators feel good at what they're doing. Like, you want the investigators with high willpower to be the ones that do cool stuff like that. But I do agree that they really shouldn't make scenarios entirely contingent on those one or two things. Um, yeah, I played through Return to Dunwich with Joe, so Joe Diamond solo, and yeah, I got to that scenario and I tried. I don't know why. I, apparently just wanted to enjoy some sadistic pleasure and yeah it was brutal it's like it's impossible you can't reasonably go through the entire campaign just to you know build your deck to do well in this one scenario that overall really doesn't do much for you in the long scheme of things yeah maybe if they included more ways to uh, you know to change up your deck as the as you progress through a campaign i mean right now all we have really is adaptable and that's rogues and off-class rogues get access to that and everybody else is sort of stuck with yeah with what you start with and i think if they had a little a few more cards that were thematic for you know the particular classes i think that would free up people a little bit more to uh you wouldn't necessarily feel like okay well i'm i'm playing I think the last time I played the Dunwich Legacy was uh, through the Dunwich Legacy was with Preston, and yeah, I'm not. <laughs> yeah. Taking uh, a one yeah. willpower investigator through that is not is not going to be a success. Yeah. And so I I know there are ways you know the scenarios do align in such a way that you can you can resign but and then try to race where Doom awaits but you know I'd like to be able to play them all. Maybe. Right. You know, I don't think I don't think that you have to to excel at them all. You know, I don't think that's a reasonable expectation, but you know, to at least have a fighting chance, I think is yeah. isn't fighting too much is to important. ask. I, yes. I think the what what you were mentioning having cards like adaptable to to fix it, those would be great for like once you're familiar with the scenario on an initial playthrough though. I mean, I can't imagine someone new to the game, you know, 
being excited to get there and then having that scenario just beat them down completely and feel completely hopeless. It's, you know, a, a blind run, I think, is, is just as important because that's the first impression that people get um, when playing a scenario or, or a cycle. It happened with TFA. A lot of people were were very upset initially. I think people's feelings about uh, the TFA is the Forgotten Age, for those of you who don't know. Um, I think a lot of people are softening their stance on the Forgotten Age. And, you know, but it was that initial playthrough that just had a lot of the community up in arms. Yeah, it's it's a hard campaign. It's definitely not for the um, soft of spirit. But, yeah, I think this kind of segues into our next topic of... Um, I'll put my show notes. Professional production. Um, <clears throat> yeah, are there... Do we think the card pool is big enough now with the circle undone that um, cards can be themed without having to use common staple cards? Well, I think I tried when I did my initial playthrough of the of uh, the Forgotten Age with Ursula. I was quite impressed by the way the seeker cards in that box all sort of lent themselves well to a to sort of a thematic archaeologist build with relics and whatnot and uh, I think it was around the boundary beyond when I realized that this just was not going to work and that I was better <laughs> off playing Dr. Mylan Christopher. Um, I think it's possible. I, I think anything is possible with, with this game and, and people will play it as as they see fit and I know some people want to be able to, to build theme decks and play them. Um, whether you're going to be successful in a cam, like over the course of a full campaign, um, I think that's another question entirely. I know at least with Ursula, I just didn't feel like I had the tools I needed to be competitive as the scenario, as the difficulty of the scenarios became uh, greater. I think we're starting to see some themes uh, or some more variations start to creep up. Uh, I don't think we're we're quite there yet i think with a few more cycles the card pool will be large enough where people can have two guardians that are fighting guardians that have completely different decks and different ways that they handle certain things um we're getting there i, I think this game definitely still has a lot of growth potential and it's headed in the right direction so i'm i'm glad to see uh the cards that, that they released for this cycle are really great pretty much for every class um but i still think that some certain staples are still necessary for especially like mystics you know are kind of still shoehorned into a certain type we're seeing that change a little bit with diana decks and a few other like um you know control type decks chaos bag control and encounter deck controls and even those types of decks aren't quite there yet but they are getting there yeah, I think I think that's more a problem in solo, where you're kind of shoehorned into doing a bit of everything. So you need you just kind of need your cards to do the most amount of impact for for each slot. But um, in multiplayer, I definitely think it's possible that you can build theme decks. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously they're not going to be as powerful as the decks that you play, like Doctor Island Christopher and Flashlight in. Or, you know, or like Flashlight plus Lola Santiago. But 
you know, you can, I think that's what makes this game great is that you can tailor the experience to how you want to play the game. Like if you want to play with cards that are less mechanically powerful, you can just make the chaos bag less potent. Yeah, I'm I'm going to I'm curious about where they're going to go with the with the card design and and whether you'll be able to to really explore themes because I think what they've they've tended to do it seems lately is a lot of the player cards are tailored to towards specific investigators. And I think that I mean you can certainly play the cards in in any uh investigator that you want to, but I think when you sit down and look at them, some of them obviously work better in certain investigators than others. And I can understand why the designers approach it that way because it, it you know, helps them create cards that are moderately powerful without um, sort of throwing them open to every investigator who can use them. So, you know, Jim gets his, his clutch cards and, you know, in this, in uh, The Circle Undone, a lot of those rogue cards, I mean, they have Preston's name written all over them. Yeah. Certainly other rogues can use them, but, you know, those rogues are going to have to to build their deck in a certain way if they want to be able to, uh, to use them effectively. And I think going forward, it'll be interesting to see whether they just keep, you know, we're going to get a few cards each cycle that are sort of, general use for the you know the investigators of that class and then there are going to be others that are very specific towards you know we're going to see the the Rita cards and the Preston cards and the you know the Carolyn cards this cycle so yeah I'm gonna it's going to be interesting to see where they balance how they balance that out And there's always going to be people online who find a certain use for a card that nobody thought of before, and it just opens up a whole world of possibilities for for other investigators, and I think that's pretty awesome. Yep. Yeah, um, I think um, yeah, I, I think we're we're getting there though. I think there are definitely uh, some really cool themes coming out. Like I recently thought of uh, something that that I see happening more of a enemy control deck where you're you're not killing the enemies you know with the uh, warning shot coming out uh what what do you guys remember what set or what uh, expansion i think uh, that's um i want to say it's either wages of sin or union and dissolution i think it's union and dissolution yeah so someone like um you know um like uh, Roland, who can take Seeker and Guardian cards, can use Handcuffs and Persuasion and Warning Shot and kind of avoid the enemies without actually evading them, without actually, you know, using different types of ways to kind of get rid of the en- enemies without actually killing them. I think those are, those are the kind of interesting ideas that I'm thinking of in terms of, you know, theme decks and such. And mm-hmm. I see these developing and, I, and it's exciting to me. I think that it'll be interesting to see what the community comes up with when we have a big enough card pool for these kind of things. I think another thing that kind of obviously influences the power or, you know, the meta power of a card is obviously the encounter decks and how those are structured too. So, you know, depending on how they design the encounter decks too is obviously going to largely change how the card pool interacts with it. So. Yeah, I know uh, in in listening to some of the uh, the Lord of the Rings LCG podcasts, I know that some one of the problems that they they I, 
they've run into in that game is that the the encounter decks have become so ruthless in that particular game that you're pretty much forced into playing the premium cards if you want to have any shot at uh, at beating them and not just premium cards but you know the they have say the five or six you know top decks that can actually compete with those scenarios and then if you take anything you know that's a that's a b or a c you're going to struggle and i hope we don't end up in in that situation in that game because i think that would make for you know we do have uh, the scenarios are linked in a campaign and so playing eight brutally hard scenarios in a row would not be something <laughs> that i would be interested in doing especially yeah, if you if you built a deck with the best of intentions on scenario before scenario one and then find out uh, by scenario two that you you're just vastly underpowered for for what uh, you know what the scenario demands i think that you know i think matt newman has done a pretty good job so far of of keeping the power level fairly um stable consistent. i guess yeah, yeah consistent that's that's the word i'm looking for you know the, tfa was a little bit more on the you know a little bit more difficult but you know when i play those scenarios i still do well and i still you know yeah. i still feel like i'm not i'm not getting blown out of the water um yeah. <laughs> whereas if i play some of those lord of the rings scenarios you can definitely get blown out of the water that that um, is a scary thought for sure i that forgotten age i think scared a lot of people uh into thinking that this is what was happening with this game um at least initially uh i'm glad it didn't turn out that way and i, I don't know I, I hope that i think when the card pool just gets really large the the developers just feel like certain decks just get really powerful and they just need to up the uh the difficulty of the game and uh, i agree with you i hope it doesn't get to that point with this game but as the card pool grows i think the developers have no choice but tweak that difficulty to kind of match the or challenge the people that own all the cards but uh, it's it's a balancing act because also, you have new players coming in, and if that's the first cycle that they buy, and it's something extremely difficult, they can get discouraged and never try the game again. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Do you guys think the card pool would ever be too big? Do you think it would be something that that could get to that point where it's just too big and where it becomes a problem for the game? The, um, the wide is an ocean, but deep is a puddle comp problem. <laughs> so to speak um i don't really think so i mean personally i think one thing that this game has going for it in opposed to lord of the rings is that you're you neutered your own deck by adding weaknesses so every draw kind of feels um tenuous where you're like ah oh, shit if i draw my weakness this turn this is gonna suck or something along those lines and i think the way that i don't like i'm admittedly i'm not familiar with the way that the encounter decks are structured in lord of the rings but you could i feel you could design the encounter decks in arkham to um challenge challenge the investigators in different ways one one particular thing i've been thinking about is the idea of having double tested encounter cards so for instance uh i know you cameron particularly talk about hating the card entombed 
<laughs> yeah. TFA. Yeah. I so, think we all hate that card. <laughs> yeah. That, I mean, that card sucks, but imagine, like, for instance, instead of, like, oh, uh, pass an agility test or you fall into the tomb. Imagine it was, like, pass an agility test or fall or so you fail and then you have to pass a strength test to, you know, grab the ledge or something. Well, we've already seen the the card like that in in Depths of Yoth, Depths of Yoth the Crumbling yeah. Precipice, where that you know it it gives you I can't remember the order it's offhand like agility, chances. yeah, agility, but like you uh, could do combat. more stuff like that, you know. I yeah, think that I was like... that was on the actual um, yeah, that's on the location itself, right? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. So, and I think those you know the the way that the cards are designed lend themselves to that. So you have. Um, you know, cards with multiple skill icons on them. I think you could have um, some of those cards, like um, I sort of envisioned it, them doing sort of like, okay, you make a, um, like say an agility and a combat test back to back, but you can commit a card like able-bodied to both of them. Oh, that'd be cool, yeah. Or something like that. So you can use those cards that have multiple skill icons on them for multiple tests. Or you'll have, you know, and that would, I think, sort of lend, lead people to play those cards more. Whereas, yeah. like, someone like myself, I'm, I'm, I think I'm fairly resistant to change when it comes to deck building. So I stick with my manual dexterities and my, my overpowers. So putting in a test like that would sort of force me out of the box and say, okay, well now able-bodied is, is a good card because I, it, it works against both of these tests rather than having to commit, you know, cards to the agility and then cards to the combat. Like you said, I think there's a lot of room for growth in this game and, you know, they're just getting started on exploring, exploring yeah. what they can do with it. As far as, you know, the, the size of the card pool, um, you know, in Lord of the Rings, they're designing cards, I think, for just four separate classes. And so um, in this, they're, I think they're designing cards mostly for, for separate investigators. So I don't think the card pool is ever going to get to an extent where it's, where it's unwieldy because they can, they can really zero those cards in to certain investigators rather than just sort of throwing it out there for the class as a whole. They're going to be, there are going to be cards like that, of course, that, you know, something like stick to the plan that is good in, yeah. you know, if a guardian can take it, we'll, go we'll ahead talk about because, one of those cards later, but because it's, it's going to be good. But, you know, some of the other more niche cards that, that are only going to work with certain investigators. Like level two contraband. <laughs> <laughs> I'm um, going to make that work. I'm telling you. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, 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 I had no idea that Lord of the Rings was just four classes and that was it. I thought they had individual characters. Well, um, they do have, they do have individual heroes, but the, the cards them, themselves aren't really designed. Like there are some that work with certain heroes, but, um, the card pool, uh, tends to be pretty, pretty wide open. Like they they use traits there to uh, to sort of narrow things down, like um, so it'll have like an elf trait or a dwarf trait or something like that to okay. to sort of narrow the card to who can play it, and that's mm -hmm. how they balance it there. Oh, and well, I then, think in Arkham they they'll balance it by simply 
making it for a you know if they want if they really want to balance something they just make it for a, sim- a single investigator yeah yeah and then you know the card won't won't be played except that's, by that guy or that's girl. really good to hear because when you were talking about the problem with lord of the rings that was uh a little disheartening to see the future of arkham go in that direction but now that you mentioned the way their deck building works as opposed to the to the arkham you also way. have a 60 card deck in that game too i believe right really yeah wow yeah but I think I just uh, I think the different one of the key differences between the uh, the the encounter decks in the games is is having played a lot of Lord of the Rings, you can get situations where the deck will simply combo off on turn one and and crush you. And I think of all the games I've played, I've only had one in uh, in Arkham where that has it's come close to doing that. So I feel like the I don't know whether it's just because you have more options um, in terms of what you can do with your investigators, like you can fight, you can evade, you can investigate. Uh, that just makes it a little easier to get out of those situations. But uh, like that, that encourages me that I, I know I've there have been many games where I've set it up and it's taken me longer to set it up than it has been to play it. Yeah. <laughs> and that doesn't happen that often in, the, in Arkham. In my experience, anyway. definitely, yeah. Yeah. mostly in my experience too. Unless I apparently just draw two auto fails in a row in Essex County Express, but other than that, <laughs> other than that. But um, speaking of expanding the card pool, uh, the Circle Undone was released at the end of January. Um, what do you guys think about that set? I know, obviously, you guys have had plenty of chance to play it now. So, I think the Circle Undone is a very, very direction for the game so far what i've seen both story-wise the theme the player cards and just the way each scenario is set up the complexities of it it everything is perfect for me or at least near perfect let's just say near perfect yes near perfect <laughs> um yeah sorry sorry go go ahead cameron yeah, I, I haven't, again, I've been waiting to do the blind playthrough for my for my channel, and so I haven't played the, I've played the uh, the prologue, of course, but uh, as far as the player cards go, I do, uh, there are quite a few, quite a few good ones in there. Um, there are a few that I'm kind of, I'm not sure I'll play. <laughs> yeah, but, I, have, uh, I have similar feelings. The, uh, like the, the, the whole skill set uh, that they released, I think those those sorts of I, I understand why they why they design them that way, but I think you it's it can be really hit or miss where um, you can end up with a, a set of cards like like the uh, composures from Echoes of the Past where they just don't see a lot of play and uh, yeah for whatever reason and I think they actually did better in this case because some of them are I think stronger than others. I don't think all of them are going to see an equal amount of play, but there are some standouts. Um, yeah, generally, like I really like the cards. The uh, I'm a little I have mixed feelings about the prologue. Uh, part of me, you know, I can understand why they do it, and it's you know really what they they needed to make it work was just the four investigators. Really, that's all that they had to add to uh, to do that. But uh, having played it now. I don't know a half dozen 
more than a half dozen times, I'm pretty much done with it. <laughs> and I don't think I'll be playing it. Uh, even if, you know, I'll just pick a, I don't know, clue number out of a bag or something like that and say <laughs> this is how many. Like, I, I, I played a game again tonight just to see, and, and it just feels very, I don't know, I, I don't like to use the word random, but it just feels like if it works, it works, and you'll get a bunch of clues, and if you draw a couple bad, if you get a couple bad pulls, you're dead and move on. You yeah, know, swingy. It, it just feels as swingy as hell. and <laughs> Yeah, I feel and, the same way. And it doesn't really... Like, I love scenarios like like the Unspeakable Oath. You know, like, I played that thing to death, like, just over and over again because I loved how that scenario worked. And and then, you, you know, you play something like the Prologue where it's just like, okay, well, if I fail this skill test, I'm done. Yep. And... I could play it again, of course, but it's still going to be the same, the same sort of thing is going to happen. You know, I'm either going to get the clues this turn or I'm not, and then, you know, move on. So I, I guess I, you know, I like the fact that they created these investigators specifically for it, but that's four player cards that we didn't get. Yeah. And maybe I'd point. prefer maybe I'd prefer to have those. Instead. I'd almost just prefer to have them as investigators, honestly. I mean, <laughs> Jerome is sick. Like, if you could use Jerome in a real deck, oh man, uh, he'd be, he'd be insane. Uh, um, I, I mean, I guess so. I I think the um, I I see it from a different perspective. I like the prologue, the whole prologue, as a storytelling tool. It just sets up the rest of your campaign. I don't know. I I do uh, enjoy the outcome because each time it's going to be slightly different, or you know what ends up happening to them, and I can just envision what you know what happened before you actually start playing the game. I get what you're saying, Cameron, with you know having to replay it over and over. But generally, when we play, like how many times do you play? Um, I was going to say the gathering, but let's say the. How many times in the last month have you played the Path to Carcosa as a campaign? As a full campaign, I haven't. Yeah. yeah, so right now we're immersed in it because the cycle just came out. But I think you might warm to it a little bit, you know, because you might play the circle and done after we've gotten our playthroughs in um, maybe once in a while. And I think maybe you'll enjoy it. Maybe you'll enjoy it. Yeah. You know, when it's... No, I, I agree with you. I think it's a great storytelling tool, and that's one of the strengths of this game. And and um, and uh, so I, you know, kudos to the to Matt Newman for for creating, you know, this for using this this storytelling tool to really immerse uh, immerse players in the, the story right away. For me, is I. You know, I tend to to approach the game not so much from a story aspect, but from just a being able to play it. Mm, you know, to to play a scenario and really enjoy that scenario. Mm. And the scenarios that I can play over and over again are the ones that I like the most, that I get the most out of. Yeah. And so when I run into something like the prologues, it's just like, yeah, it's cute, and <laughs> you know, it's you know, it's nice. It's a nice thing to do once or twice. But after that, it's sort of like, well, there's other things I'd rather play. And, you know, who knows? I mean, they've, Matt, Matt has like surprised us continuously over the past, uh, since the, the game came out. And 
I sort of, uh, when they uh, released the announcement for these investigators, I thought, you know, oh, well, maybe they'll come back yeah. at some point. You know, maybe you'll get to pull them out again oh, and cool. play another prologue at some point. You know, maybe if they get lost in the mists, you get a chance to get them out or or something like that. Like, it, anything's possible. And, well, that would be mind-blowing. Oh, and, <laughs> and if they did something like that, then I'd be like, okay, I'm, you know, on board. Because if, the, if how they die matters during the prologue matters, like when you get to bring them back and play uh, them again, then that would be, for me, that would be... I that guess. would change your mind. mind. That would change my mind. That would yeah. be more interesting to me than simply, you know, I know I'm going to die. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, know, I'm kind of, I'm kind of halfway. I'm, I, I agree with you that the, the prologue is boring. Not, not boring, but it feels you, you know what you're getting yourself into going into it. And it's like you said, uh, if you fail that one important skill test through in that scenario, you just you're completely screwed, and there's no way of coming back like in a normal scenario, and that's frustrating to play from a gameplay perspective. I feel like um, the story aspect of this scenario, while it's very good, more feels like a one shot for an RPG than it does a you know a game of Call of or a game of Arkham Horror. Hmm. Maybe that's just me and my playing of a lot of RPG games, but Matt Newman really, really should be writing an RPG because this is what this <laughs> scenario feels like to me. It definitely has that feel. Um, I I can see where you guys are coming from. If you're playing the game to for the for the game aspect, um, not so much the story aspect. You want to get your you want to be able to use your deck that you built. This scenario kind of takes away from that amount, from that time that you have to actually play the deck that you wanted to play. So I can see that. I can certainly see that. Well, it's um, not really so much. I guess it's not so much that they build the deck for you. It's more that the the games are so swingy. Like you just right. you, you're so reliant on that. Like really, it's one investigate check. I think. Right. I meant. Uh, I, I know. I know what you mean. I, I meant like. Oh, you just want to get to your to your actual the real game as opposed uh, to this fake. I see what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I can see that. Uh, one thing with those uh, intro investigators, I felt like they really showcased like the the abilities and the the strengths of each class, except for Mystic. Um, it was interesting to see a perfect kind of perfect starting hand for each class, and you know a board state that was that was uh really useful for that type of class like the rogue and the um yeah you know, the survivors and the seekers like it it was interesting i think for new players it, it could be really useful to show them how to properly deck build how cards work together how certain combos work in terms you know mm. specifically with that's what that is one of the things that really impressed me about the prologue is that the cards that you're playing with you get, you know, most there's a lot of the new cards in there, so you get to see how they work. And I, from a new player perspective, someone who's never played a rogue before, and if they pick up Valentino and they've got, you know, a, a very set amount of cards, and you know, a lot of those cards are quite powerful in that particular deck, and you get to see how they work, and then it's it's sort of just a, a nice little dry run through. Um, 
for what's ahead. And then when you go, you know, maybe they can look when they go to sit down and say build a Preston deck, they say, okay, well, Preston is like Valentino. So I want to include cards like Cunning and uh, Money Talks and stuff like that. So it, it gives them a direction to go into rather than simply dumping a bunch of uh, cards in their lap and saying, okay, here's a new investigator and some cards try to build something out of this and it, yeah. it does point them in the direction and say okay well connected works if you've got a lot of resources and money talks and cunning also works so here's a guy who generates a lot of resources yeah, you've right. already played this deck you've already played this style of deck once so Congrats. now you've got a now you've got an idea of where to go and I also like the the prologue just because it does a good job of also introducing the haunted ability, yeah. which, as I mentioned before we started recording, is just going to be a thorn in my side. But it is a nice introduction to that before you actually play the main scenarios. Yeah, so you're already familiar with what it does and, and how to trigger it and things to pay attention to. And I, and I do like that about it. Yeah. So would you guys... Uh, so say if you were going to teach a new player, would you bust this scenario out or would you play the gathering and just build them a starter deck no i'd do the gathering um i think this is a good second step for someone who's learning um but i don't think it's a, it's good enough for showcasing the game step by step like the gathering is yeah i i think yeah that's that's a good question um i think i'd, I'd probably just stick with the gathering because the gathering you can have success <laughs> and in <laughs> the disappearance you there is no success you That's are going to you are going to lose yeah and it's just a matter of how you're going to lose and and maybe if you explain to the player going in that this is more to showcase the player cards and how they interact and and teach them some of those um some of the interactions with the cards I think it could be really useful in that way instead of sort of throwing them into the deep end and saying, okay, here's 40 cards. You know, it, 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 it really narrows their options to the seven in their hand. And it's very quick to play. I, yeah. I don't know what it's like in multiplayer, but for me, it rarely takes, you know, longer than five turns. So you could play it a couple times and, and they could experiment with, with the four different neutral investigators and get a sense, okay, I sort of like how the you know the survivor cards work i think that's really cool i want to play a survivor okay well if you want to play a survivor then we've got rita or we've got you know if you have a larger card pool then you can pull out any of the other survivors and you've you've sort of introduced them to the the, the main mechanics and then they have a sense okay i want to play a seeker i love i love jerome's interactions i'm going to play a seeker okay well there's joe diamond or you know any of these other ones you can play with yeah, that's why I'm thinking it's a good second because they're, it it's great at introducing the different classes and their differences, their play styles, and so on. But someone brand new to the game, there's a lot to take in, and the gathering just kind of trickles it, little by little. You know, you start in one room, and you're just investigating, and then the mythos phase happens, and then you're, then you're learning to deal with treacheries, and it kind of just does it little by little. This one just throws you into an actual full scenario. I don't know. I, I think I think you bring up some good points. It's it's really great for new players to see the differences between the the different factions. Yeah. Yeah, I think it would yeah, be tough for a new player to to 
to play disappearance and be like, okay, you failed an investigate check, so now a lot of bad stuff is going to happen <laughs> to you. Yeah. Whereas if you if you blow that first investigate check in the study, nothing happens. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, it's it's like I know in this one, I forget which one. Oh yeah, like when I played Jerome, it was like, okay, I just drew obscuring fog on my first turn, so now I'm at a six shroud location. This isn't going to go well. And resign. You know, whereas. <laughs> You know, the, the the gathering gives you a lot more time to sort of play around and investigate and you don't have, you know, five or six monsters chasing you down. Like there's so many hunters in this set. I'm, I'm dreading seeing what that's like in a real game where you've got all these um, shadow hounds and, and race chasing you around the board. I didn't, so... <laughs> At least in my play experiences, I didn't have so much problems with the Shadowhounds and the Nethermiss. It was the witches at the end of the first scenario that you played oh. through. Uh, sorry, spoiler alert, but... Uh. Yeah. Cameron, uh, have you played that, that first one yet after the no. prologue? Okay, you are no. in for a hell of a ride. <laughs> I, was, I was very tempted to play it, uh, to play it tonight before uh, we recorded but uh, i know there are people who listen to my channel who like the blind playthroughs and i would hate to i, yes. I should i should sorry have if it. that spoils it for your viewers no uh. no no i i i i should have had it done by now but but uh, unfortunately some real life things have uh, have tied me uh, got me busy the other thing is i just haven't chosen a deck yet uh, people have asked me to to play diana and uh, so I've been doing some deck testing with her just to familiarize myself with her deck and, and play around with a few different uh, builds. And I'm still trying to find one that I like. And I think she she runs into the same problem that, that a lot of mystics have, which is resources and and being slow. Yeah, and I start. think I think Diana is further compounded in that she has to like play that whole mini game just to get her willpower to a level that any other Mystic Investigator would already be at. Yeah, I know when they spoiled her, I saw that, and I'm just like, man, that one. I know she's gonna be. I know she's a six. Like I know you can get her to a six, but she's gonna be a one for a long time. Yeah. And shriveling at two is not not yeah, viable. <laughs> you just can't do it. And and that's sort of what I've discovered in my in the, the, the preliminary testing I've done. It's 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 just like she gets there eventually, but there's sort of a lot of hand wringing before you can get her to that point where. Yeah, and it's like if you wanted to, if like Di- like Diana has to be played in this very specific way that you can't you can't really like build your way out of it i guess like you can with other other mystics like i would say like akachi and agnes are probably the most versatile of the of the mystics is that fair to say yeah i i've i've had agnes pull herself out of there was one game i played with her where i thought you know she was surely cooked and she pulled herself out of it and i don't uh i don't think you could do that with many other investigators i think for um i think for diana um i i was researching a lot of decks for her i haven't really had a chance to play her too much um but i had great success with a deck that i found on arkham db and her play style is definitely a lot different from from the typical mystic 
with Diana, at first I was tempted to cancel as many things as I could just to try to get that willpower. Um, I found myself making a lot of play mistakes and eagerly trying to use a card on something I didn't need to use it on just to try and get it under her to boost that willpower. Mm. And it makes you, it kind of playing that way forces you to make bad plays that you normally wouldn't make. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. I think it's yeah, awfully tempting to, to try to, you've got that, I mean, you start with that cancel in your hand and mm-hmm. it's just like, well, two willpower is better than one, <laughs> so I better cancel something as quickly as I can. And so you end up wasting it on something that that you should probably have just taken to the face and, and moved on. Yeah, for sure. So in this deck, this uh, I think Doc Leo is the name of the guy who made the deck, and he kind of goes into detail on how to how to play how to pilot that deck. And I tried it out, and it was it was awesome. It was using a lot of guardian cards to fight with, and he recommended just using the cancels when you needed them, and your willpower would grow just organically throughout the scenario. So don't count on willpower for pretty much anything. And in the end, by the end of the scenario, you're going to be super powerful with your willpower, and then you can unleash on the boss or whatever for the finale. But not to count on that willpower getting to six quickly because it's just going to really mess up the beginning, and then you'll lose you'll lose tempo and you'll never catch up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would. That's a good point. Because because if you spend your time canceling everything, then you're not investigating and you're not fighting enemies. So. Yeah, I think I think that's the the problem a lot of new players run into is that that you know sometimes just investigating is the better the better thing to do. Yeah. If you get too, I think there's a it's very tempting to try to to do a lot of fancy stuff and and really it's just you know just investigate. Yeah. Even Please if you know the, yeah if the odds if the odds aren't that great well. You know, you're st- you still might get a clue, and that's that's probably better than what you were you were gonna do. Yeah. Are you talking about the Doc Leo deck? The Doc Leo, yeah, that one. The Contrite Sorceress deck. Yeah. On Arkham DB. That one's really good. Yeah, I played that one against uh, Curtain Call and uh, didn't quite make it. Oh so, no. <laughs> no, it was yeah, it was a. But but that scenario is is tricky to to navigate because you've, I mean you've got to kill that the bloody that the bloody emissary. Yeah. Yeah, you got to kill the emissary like two or three times uh, to be able to complete that scenario. And I just couldn't get her high enough to do that consistently. That scenario is hard and solo in general. So yeah, yeah. it is. It took it me is. took me like a dozen playthroughs before I could beat that thing with any sort of consistency. So yeah, I think also most of the it's not just the scenario, but just Diana's deck building, but also the a lot of the investigators from the cycle from the circle undone. I think for me that was it's not a, a miss. It's actually a great thing because these investigators all have these unique abilities and deck building requirements. But a lot of them are more complex than some of the investigators that came before them. So I think their deck building is taking more time and more trial and error to figure out than previous investigators. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. These are definitely the most complex investigators that they've released thus far. 
Yeah, Joe Joe Diamond is pretty. I've I had a chance to play him uh, a fair amount recently, and he was. Uh, yeah, I I don't think I could play him on stream because I would always forget to to draw his hunch card. Like I don't know how many times <laughs> I forgot to do it when I was just playing playing yeah. for funsies. But man, it was just like, oh yeah, I should have drawn a card for that. Oh right. yeah. Oh, you leave it flipped. Yeah, you yeah. leave it flipped over, and then you're like, oh crap, I should have put another one on. And then, yeah. 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 <laughs> it's it's just one of those. It's just that one extra step that you've got to do every turn. That yeah. uh, I did uh, have a chance to play one of the other Diana Stanley decks on Arkham DB, the uh, Get Away from Her, You Bitch uh, deck. <laughs> Uh, I played Great it at, a, at an invocation event, and uh, it just made me wish that Eat Lead was an asset. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. I, uh, it's it just it, it 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 killed a few things, but it just couldn't kill things consistently enough to to make me wish that I just wasn't playing a a pure guardian. Yeah, and I never did see an Eat Lead until the game was over. So. Oh. Yet to play it one of these days. So what do you guys like most about the new cycle? Uh, at Death's Doorstep, that scenario is awesome. That's my favorite part about <laughs> this, uh, this whole deluxe expansion, I think. Other than, obviously, the investigators and the new player cards, but... Yeah, that scenario is great. I assume from the set I haven't played it yet, but the setup it, you start with the regular locations and then you swap to the spectral locations at some point. Correct. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds fun. It's fun. Yeah, it's, mm -hmm. it's cool. You know, you get some like noir jazz playing in the background. Yeah, it's 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 a good time. Yeah. So far, I mean, I I, I really like the look of. Uh, I like the fact that we're staying in Arkham. And invest. We're going to be exploring some of the the iconic Arkham locations uh, that we all know and love, um, either from the board game or or the stories. And uh, yep, the unvisited isle. Yep. And it sounds like the the only one that sort of raises my alarm bells was the the last one they spoiled uh, chaos. Oh, yes, mm -hmm. I agree. I mentioned uh, that in one of my most recent videos. Uh, in the Clutches uh, of Chaos. Yeah, in the Clutches of Chaos. I'm just like, this is going it, if to... If, if it's even remotely as random as it seems just from the description, it's just like, <laughs> there'll yeah. be random things spawning, and then you'll get, you know, once you remove those things and put them on the act deck, then there'll be random sp clues spawning, and then you've got to go get those and put that. I'm just like, oh my god, this oh, is. Oh man, if like... you can't if you can't remember to flip over Joe's hunch deck, ah uh, man, this scenario is going to be the most yeah, yeah. brutal oh, thing yeah. to try to play on camera. No yeah, kidding. it's it's hard enough to to keep track of. You know, it's just like, did I did I draw a card for the uh, for the for this mythos phase? Much less. <laughs> Did, did I place a bunch of tokens on the table and did I move them around? And then, of course, you know, they can trigger the um, the incursions and then those incursions can trigger more tokens. And it's just like, oh. And then pop, 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 Yeah. Yeah. It seems like you could like you could be at one side of the map and then everything could just happen on the other side. And it'd be like, OK, now I've got to cart myself 
like that's one of the challenges of curtain call is if you get the wrong you get one of the wrong draws you'll have to crisscross that map a couple times and and that's tough like if you don't have a lot of movement cards it's tough to to make it from one side to the other moving yep. one location at a time so especially with the emissary yeah yeah so and who knows what how many enemies are going to be uh be in that uh, clutches of chaos uh deck so that's yeah. the only one that sort of i i when i read the description i was like oh oh yeah i felt I feel like they FFG even kind of knew about it as they didn't really they didn't really say much about it and the article's real short so they were like yeah you guys can have fun with that <laughs> man yeah. sitting in his evil evil you know rolling chair like ah, 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 ah. <laughs> yeah um, I just hope there aren't too many tokens to keep track of because then it's going to be one of those scenarios I think that I I hate I'd hate to get to the point where you play it and then you're like okay did i make a mistake did i get every token out where it should be and then yep. you're kind of like oh i might have missed one and then oh. it sort of just feels like oh okay like you i didn't spend be... more time doing that than actually playing like yeah like trying trying to maintain yeah. game state yeah. yeah you know if you want to beat it cleanly and then you're you're constantly having to double check and triple check tokens it'd be just like oh this is yeah. gonna be tough yeah yeah Ugh. Not looking forward to that, but I guess we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, some other some other uh, mythos packs, you know, that have been announced kind of had certain feels to them and ended up being completely different. So, who knows? Who knows yeah. how it will end up? I mean, a, a lot of the other mythos packs in this cycle kind of feel like more of the same, but maybe that's just kind of the way that they were announced. You know, like, the Wages of Sin... Uh, announced all the haunted ability nonsense and then another one kind of released the released the enemies in the in the circle undone expansion so we've kind of i guess seen a lot of what's going to be happening yeah so yeah get... and then sort of see that you know there's going to be a lot of negative skill modifiers floating around yeah oh yeah i don't think there's that many in the the core set itself but i know that or, or at least in the the circle undone box but you know once you throw whippoorwills in there again and a haunted ability i think that does the same or same. yeah there's a couple of haunted yeah. abilities that do that and then because of course there is of course and then there's going to be cards like whispers in the dark that you have to place near the agenda deck that are probably going to have you know i could see those having negatives uh negative skill modifiers on them as well so yeah, or you, or you draw like three shapes in the mist, and then you just you cry. And... Yeah, there's <laughs> yeah. going to be a lot to keep track of, and uh, for someone who who tries to play correctly on stream, that's going to be <laughs> that's going to be a pretty big challenge this time around. Yeah. Um, I guess one thing we didn't talk about in this cycle though is the tarot cards in the new tarot slot. What do you guys think about that? Um. I have mixed feelings about the tarot cards. I, I do like that they start in play if they're in your opening hand. Um, a plus one to that faction's typical um, preferred ability is great. Uh, the cost is a little high of, of three and not having any skill icons kind of turned me off from putting two in a deck. Um, so I played one copy in most of my decks and 
just hope for it to come out. And if it doesn't, it, I kind of just treat it as it's an extra bonus if I do happen to get it in my hand. But it's not a card that I'm going to build anything around. Yeah, yeah I, I, I tend to like them. Uh, I had a chance to play with uh, Ace of Swords, and, and I didn't draw it into my opening hand. And so I had to play it the hard way. And and I mean, it, the, the, the problem with them is it's just a bonus. You yeah. know, there's beside like if you don't draw them in your opening hand, it's just a it's just a plus one. So they're not the most interesting cards in the world, but but if you do luck out and draw one in your opening hand, then it's I'm not going to say no to playing with an extra uh, combat skill icon from right. the beginning. And I think the the neutral one, uh, Ace of Rods, is pretty cool. I, I do I did read the. Uh, the intro to the first scenario, and I do like how you can't actually get that right off the bat. Yeah. Uh, I think the weakness is brutal. Um, yeah, that, the weakness you, is absolutely brutal. That is one of the so worst bad. weaknesses I've seen in a while, and uh, like it, it costs you a card in your opening hand, it costs you resources to put it into play, Four, it costs you an action to put it into play, it's just like, holy cow. Yeah, it's like, brutal. It hits you in, in all of those points that, you know, action advantage and resources, it just it just tags you in all of those, and and uh, I saw that you, you can... you draw it when you're engaged with an enemy or something and you need to commit cards to a skill test oh, first. Yeah. <laughs> like I, at this invocation event that I was at, the one of the guys at the table, he was playing a min deck, and, of course, he drew the king in yellow um, oh. right at the beginning of the game. Like It was like right off the bat, and I just looked at him like, oh, crap. And that is one of the worst weaknesses in the game and this thing replicates what it does mm -hmm. yeah like not yeah. not nearly as it's not as hard to get rid of but not being able to commit cards is is crippling and uh so yeah you throw that on top of you know okay it's cost you an action and a bunch of resources and an opening card slot and you've got a and you can't commit cards yeah that's, it's brutal that's I'm like it feels like the workings of a signature weakness yeah. seriously it's but, it's really bad yeah but then joe diamond just gets nothing for a weakness <laughs> but anyway anyway yeah I, actually I, I i found his weakness to be a little a little worse than i initially i initially figured it to be i'm not sure what it was about it though that i don't think i read it properly the first time i uh i looked at it it I think you got to drop a clue or something. Yeah, so you you place a clue on place a clue. Yeah. You place yeah, a clue that's on what, the location uh, with the highest shroud. I mean, it only costs two for him, but it's it's that uh, place a clue that was. I was like, oh, that's uh, that's but not. But if great. you draw it and you don't have any clues, then <clears throat> you you still can play it without having to place a clue. Yeah. So there's times where it's not terribly bad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the I don't certainly in uh, standalone. It's not a big deal because who cares about the experience? But, right. Uh, yeah. Yeah, the tower is definitely one of the. I see that you know you can get it in. Uh, you can take the ace and the uh, the ace of rods and the tower. Uh, be interesting to see how that plays out over the course of the campaign. Um, you do get the two tablets. 
I think tablets are considered to be better than the uh, than the than the uh, elder things. Generally, so, uh, generally, but yeah. I don't know. Just to avoid taking the tower, I might take the elder things. Of course, for my for my playthrough, I'm going to take the tower. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we're going go, to gonna... go all in on that, but we'll have to see how it goes. I mean, it, it's it's so hard to tell at the beginning of of a of a cycle what's going to happen, and you know, I don't think anybody could have predicted at the beginning of of the Forgotten Age which uh, you know which supplies were going to be important and which ones were not going to be important, and uh, I think that you know it's the same thing here. You never, you, it's, it's not going to become clear until uh, several more packs what the best uh, what the best approach is. Um, is there anything you guys don't like about the circle undone? I mean, for me, I think it's confusing that we have an investigator that is centered entirely around healing horror from other investigators, and there are no cards that heal horror in this entire set. <laughs> No, Blasphemy. That's my favorite investigator. It just... <laughs> that's just... I don't know. Maybe that's just... Like a horrendous oversight or what? But, like, that's just... That's just kind of strange to you me. No, it's... You know, I, I approach her kind of like Diana. Like, you can't see her as just a healer. It's common for a lot of people to just pack her full of healing cards or as many horror healing cards as they can. But you can't you can't play her that way you know i think her deck building um capabilities her card pool make her actually really strong i i can see kind of what they were going for with her um i, I don't disagree it's just i i just imagine you know we presented the scenario earlier where you're a new player and this is the first oh, yeah. deluxe expansion you pick up and you have this and clarity of mind i think right that's in first right. aid so yeah so it's I, more just keeping her in line with the rest of the investigators in the box. In terms of that, 100% with you. A, a new player picking up the cycle and this being their first uh, expansion that they buy, definitely it's it's going to kind of give them a, a bad taste because this would be the second Guardian that a new player would have if they have just this in the core set. Yep. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I can see where you're coming from in terms of that. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. Uh, I haven't played Carolyn yet, so it, it hadn't occurred to me that uh, she doesn't have any cards in the box that um, really work with her that well. I mean, Joe, is he's got a bunch. Um, mm -hmm. Preston obviously has a bunch, and Diana and Rita. But uh, I mean, Yeah, even Marie to an extent, too. Yeah. So it's just, yeah. it, it just kind of seems like an oversight. Like, just one card, I, I think, would have been enough, really. Because it's I mean, like you I, said, you don't want to pack your deck full of, you know, effects that heal horror, because yeah. you're not winning the scenario if you're just healing horror. So. Yeah, and, and I've seen decks on Arkham DB that are just that. Like, they just try to stuff as many healing horror healing cards as they can, and they call that a deck. And the, unfortunately, they're going to have a, probably a really bad time playing that deck. Um, but you, you learn, you know, doing that way. Um, I think I kind of agree with what you're saying in terms of the, the thing that I least liked about the cycle. It's not so much that I dislike it, but I think the investigators as a whole in this cycle are all complex and they kind of turn their turn their factions in over their heads. Because um, even Diana for a mystic, uh, a new player is just not going to really 
be able to use her effectively. Um, Preston, same thing, you know, with all ones for stats can be pretty confusing for a new player. I think overall, just the, the investigators in the cycle, they're so complex that new players may not necessarily like any of them initially or be able to use them properly to where they have fun with them. Yeah, and I feel like that that problem is really just compounded if you're a new player and you just have this and the core set. Like, a lot of the... I feel like a lot of the investigators in this set are kind of... At least they feel designed with the implication that you own all of the player cards currently released, so... Yeah, I guess the out is that they can play Joe Diamond because if you can build a, a Roland deck, you can build a Joe deck. <laughs> that's, yep, yep, that's which true. Which is basically what I did the first time I played it. Because <laughs> I just looked up a, a looked up a Roland deck and I'm like, yeah, that's pretty much what I would do. And and I played mean, it played it out of Joe instead. I mean, obviously, the, you you're not wrong, wrong, I guess. The, uh, mm-hmm. the advancement is going to be different because, because of the, uh, you know, they can't take the same leveled cards, but... Yeah. But Joe is essentially Roland in disguise, uh, different abilities. The I'm I'm actually kind of surprised by the number of high cost cards in the set, like the the numbers of like really expensive cards. There's a lot of threes. A lot of yeah. threes, like things There's like connect fours. the dots and and uh, fingerprint kit and. I I look at some of those and I I looked at a few decks online and I would never claim to be a very good deck builder i think it's probably the the weakest aspect of my game but then i see these decks that are just playing like they just pack their decks full of these expensive cars i'm just like i i don't know how you afford all of this stuff maybe maybe they'll release another card that uh similar to emergency cash that'll you know be maybe neutral for every faction to be able to take where you can get a little bit more resources or resources per round. Who knows? Maybe that's what they're planning. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it would have to be because, like, I, I think what Connect the Dots is four, Fingerprint Kit is four. Yep. Like, all the tarot cards are threes. Well, um, even Delay the, inevit- the Inevitable, it's two, but every round you're paying two, so it's really expensive for a Guardian, especially. Yeah, guard, like, Interrogate. And I'm also kind of surprised that, like, with... I'm going to talk about this in my reviews a little bit, but with cards like Interrogate and Connect the Dots, they seem like they, they're priced to f- go in a in Joe Diamond's deck, in his Hunch deck. Mm-hmm. Like, Connect the Dots especially seems like they, they over-costed it intentionally because they know he's going to get the two-resource discount on it. But uh, then... For those who don't have the card, Connect the Dots is a four-cost event, and it's a fast action. Uh, after you discover the last clue at your location, you discover two clues at a location with lower printed shroud value. And you mentioned Interrogate. That's a Guardian card at cost of two, and it's a parley action. And you can parley with a humanoid enemy at your location, test three combat, and it gets plus X difficulty, where X is the chosen enemy's damage value. If you succeed, you discover a clue at your location and one clue at any other location. Yeah. Like, those cards, like, they seem like they should go in the hunch deck, but then part of me is like, well, they're also very timing sensitive. Like, 
I don't know if I'm going to draw a connect the dots when I'm going to discover the last clue at a location. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I'm going to have interrogate on the top of my hunch deck when there's a humanoid enemy at my location sort of thing. And so part of me is just like, wants to put them in the hunch deck and the other part of me is just like, well, they don't, I'd like a little bit more flexibility, you know, keeping them out of the hunch deck. So, okay, now I know I've, I can play, I can play those cards this turn because I'm, I'm fulfilling those, uh, those conditions they have. Yeah. I hope that doesn't become a problem with seeker and insight cards in general going forward is that they kind of have to be designed in such a way that, oh, well, if we, you know, cost them too low, then Joe can just play them for free. So I, I hope that doesn't happen, but I, I trust Matt Newman's judgment on that, on that front. So yeah, we'll see. I, I think I think <clears throat> they have to put another card that that grants a little bit more in terms of resources. Um, I was just thinking about a new Guardian card they announced. Um, actually, it's I think it's coming out in the next Mythos pack, right? In the Wages of Sin, the um, the Tommy Gun, uh, Tom Forty Five Thompson. Yeah, it's in uh, the Secret Name. Oh, secret name. Okay. Yeah, yeah it's, six uh, resources. Six resources for a guardian. That's. that's yeah, I think impossible. I think the bigger test is going to come when the secret name drops this week. Um, those gold cards are going to shake things up, and <laughs> and I think yeah, that's going to be a, a that's going to be a really interesting uh, pack because uh, that's that's something new for the game, and I think he may uh, they may be tend to be underpowered uh, rather than overpowered just you know as a first you know the designers are dipping their toes in the water here to see see what they can do and they don't really want to make too many waves but yeah I mean that that machine gun I mean it costs six that's that's a lot of uh, change in a guardian deck and it takes up two hand slots which yeah. makes it uh, you know for a solo player like myself that's not going to work <laughs> yeah i guess i could play bandolier but Ooh. maybe level two bandolier <laughs> <laughs> i like level two bandolier for skids uh skids with a tommy gun and a level two bandolier and police badge pretty good then i could see yeah i could see that being pretty good <laughs> i mean to be fair i'm playing leo anderson and contraband level two so i'm not really one to talk so <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah. But so, I think I think there's an you know when that people tend to look at these powerful cards, but they they sort of neglect to look at the cost as closely, and mm -hmm. and I'm not sure whether that's the right. Like I know I was just reading the Reddit thread about the the machine gun, and and some people did point it out. I mean, it's six resources. I mean, for rogues, that's that's not a not as big a deal, but for a guardian who has a bunch of stuff to afford. You know, it's the same with mystics. They have, there's just so much stuff they've got to buy and they, you know, unless you're playing somebody like David Renfield to get those extra resources or, and you get them in your opening hand, you know, you only start with five. Yeah. And that doesn't go very far. And then I, you know, we see in um, chaos and whatever, you know the agency backup that costs seven man they they have to do something with with resources i mean seven sure. resources that's that's a full turn if you draw it yep. in your opening hand take two resources and play that thing leo doesn't get a discount on it 
I mean, really, really, your only option is to to try to uh, calling in favors it out. But even then, you're only going to get maybe two, two, three resources, depending on on which allies you've got in your deck. Yeah, three or maybe four if you're playing maybe B-Cop four. or something. But yeah. Yeah. So it's... That's, yeah. <laughs> seven and, is a... <laughs> I saw be, seven and I... Boy, oh boy. Yeah, it'd be I mean, it's a powerful see... card. It's an amazing card. Oh, yeah. It's like I'd they be... just took every Guardian ally and rolled them into one <laughs> one ally. Here you go. Here's a, here's a mega Guardian ally that does everything every other Guardian ally does. And Plus it makes you a ham sandwich. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you can have two of them if you've uh, got charisma. Oh, my goodness. Don't even. Oh, man. <laughs> That's the 49 experience deck right there. Yeah. Double charisma. <laughs> Double agency yeah, backup. I, you know, I don't think... I mean, maybe Leo can play it. it I, yeah, even still. like You're still like probably playing a, an emergency cash just to get it out, so... Yeah, you really. You can also use chance encounter, but then somebody else or flare, but then somebody else ends up with your ally, and I'm not sure that's that's yeah. what people would want. I'd be interested. Like, I'll just take your ally from you. That's just like thanks a lot. Thanks. I'd be interested to see if they make um, class specific resource gaining cards. So maybe something like um, I don't know, like test, maybe like something like liquid courage, where it's like gain gain a resource and then test whatever the class relevance um you know skill is by a certain mm. number and then gain an extra resource and whatever yeah we did see like during the forgotten age we saw things like um what's that the the one in the uh the survivor one i'm thinking of take heart oh, stuff yeah. like that there was like a um there's also the I'm uh, missing names here. I'm just looking at the list to see if I can pick them out here quickly. Um, what was the uh, like payday for the for rogues? Oh yeah, right. And yeah. stuff like that. So they did have that sort of that sort of theme running through. Yeah, Guardians have some resource uh, generation at at higher levels, but they're so expensive. Like uh, I've had worse. You take damage and you gain resources equal to the amount of damage you cancel, or you cancel damage, and you gain resources equal to the amount of damage you canceled up to five. Uh, you got stand together and ever vigilant, kind of is like a resource gain. Yeah. But I feel like even with those cards, first they take experience to take, and they're just not enough. Our guardians yeah. are so asset de- dependent. I mean, Mystic's got. Um, Oh, what's that card that reduces their spell cost by three uh, to play one spell card? Dark Ritual? Um, no, so, it's, no, it's the, so, uh, uh, something ritual. Uncontrolled. Yeah, I'm talking about a magic card, apparently. <laughs> um, but it's... Even with that card in their decks, Mystics still have a big problem trying to get you know their assets out. They're just... And Guardian assets are just getting more and more expensive. Yeah, I think Guardians have that problem, but worse because they don't have a card like that at all. So right. Yeah. So uncage the soul. That's uncage the, the soul. Yeah. Man, we were all wrong. We were yeah. way off. We were way off. I figure <sighs> I should know these cards by the back of my hand by now, but <laughs> it just shows my age. I'm starting to have short-term memory loss here. 
I think it happens to all of us. I think it does too. <laughs> I just, I, it just goes to show if I, I would make a terrible magic player because they have like 10 times as many cards to keep track oh, of. And 10? I think they have thousands. Their card pulls over 10,000. Well, I'm just talking in one cycle. I've, I've, <laughs> oh, yeah. It's yeah, been yeah. a long time since I played magic and they've, I don't know, they've re- released 10,000 cards since then. So I think they're almost up to 20,000 actually. That's insane. I stopped playing a few years ago, like back in 2014, 2015, and they were already at like 19,000 unique cards, so. Yeah, so I have to I have to try to remember 10 new ones a month. And... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be oh. fair, you only play with like a couple of them at a time, so. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, so with... With the mythos phase wrapped up, I guess we'll go into the investigation phase. Um, this is the part of the show where we kind of wrap things up and talk about other um, non-Arkham, but still mythos-related things. So uh, why, don't, why don't you guys talk about what you guys have been recently doing? Oh, um, I got two things. I got, um, I've been reading a, uh, a it's, I guess, a comic book, or they call them graphic novels, uh, called Weird Detective. It's pretty interesting. It's deals with Yithians. It's all Lovecraft. It's from Dark Horse Comics, and it's fantastic. Uh, the story's really good. The art is really good. There's a lot of humor in it, like dark humor. It's it's perfect. It's perfect for some for fans of Lovecraft and Lovecraftian things. Uh, so I highly recommend that you guys check it out if you're into graphic novels. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about is an Arkham Horror-related thing, and it is a uh, community creation. It's uh, a deck I, I actually spotlighted this week in my channel, and or not a deck, but a uh, an investigator. It's a custom investigator named Vanessa Comblanco, created by Mr. Wolf, and she is a really interesting uh, survivor with a 13, she has 13 um, cards that go in her deck. She can only build a deck of 20 cards because 13 cards are hers, and they kind of tell the story about her past and, and a lover that she killed to make a dark pact. It's a it's a really, really interesting investigator with some fantastic art. And if you like custom content for Arkham Horror, the card game, I highly recommend you check her out as well. Where can you find it? Uh, she On my channel, I posted a review video for it. Um, Mr. Wolf posted her on Board Game Geek, and the link is on my channel. Um, but I'm, the URL is one of those like really complex URLs, so I'm, yeah, I'll, I'll just link um, it on my. I'll have all the URLs and stuff that we mentioned uh, in the show notes for any of our listeners. So. Perfect. Well, then there, that's where you can find it in the show notes. Boom. Uh, Cameron, what about you? What have you? I know you. I'd just but... like to give a shout out to uh, to Horror Babble on uh, YouTube. They uh, they do readings of. Uh, all sorts of uh, horror-related uh, material, and they have, I think, most, if not all, of uh, Lovecraft stories up, as well as uh, they do. Yep. As uh, Lovecraft adjacent writers, um, and uh, so if you have time, just uh, and you and you just want to, you don't have time to actually read a book, um, like I do sometimes. I just put it on at work, and I can listen to listen to the stories. It's a great way to 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 catch up on the writing as well as uh, just see where some of the the cards were inspired from. 
I know that I listened to the uh, the mound shortly after uh, the Forgotten Age was uh, released, and so it was it was really interesting to see how some of those ideas were translated into cards in the uh, in uh, during the cycle. I know I chose the pickaxe uh, as one of my supplies just because it was one of the main tools used in <laughs> yep. the mound story, and I figured if it was important in the mound, it's got to be important in. Uh, during this cycle and uh, also if you haven't listened to uh, just the Call of Cthulhu uh, Wayne June's reading of it it's uh, absolutely fantastic I could listen to that thing over and over again it's uh, he's got an an amazing voice and and does a a great job of of telling that story and uh, I mean the guy hits Cthulhu with a boat like (laughs) how cool is that it's just like he just runs into Cthulhu with a boat. He That's... does. It's awesome. Horror Babel is awesome. And they not only do they have each story individually read out on a YouTube video, but um, the owner of that channel has also compiled all of them together in a huge 22-hour-long video. So, oh, wow. <laughs> so oh, if you're curious goodness. to read every single Cthulhu Mythos story, <laughs> it is on there. So In one sitting. Definitely go check out Horror Battle. They're great. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's there's, there's a lot of the stuff. Like, I had read most of Lovecraft's main stories when I was in my 20s, but uh, a lot of the stuff that he wrote with co-authors or under different names and, and stuff like that, I hadn't read. And so it was great to catch up on some of those, those stories that I missed uh, because they, you know, the... For, I mean, people who are familiar with the mythos know it's not really a a concrete thing. There's, you know, lots of little bits and pieces that have been uh, added over the years by by many different people, and so it's a uh, it's a good way to to see where some of those um, those uh, elements came from. And they also have the the Carcosa stuff up there as well. Which is a which is great if you're just playing the path to Carcosa for the first time, to uh, to listen to those stories. Yeah, for those unaware, those are the Robert W. Chambers uh, short uh, collections of uh, short stories named uh, named The King in Yellow. So those are also available on Horror Babble's YouTube channel. Um, but it's funny that you speak of uh, the Wayne um, Wayne's reading of the Call of Cthulhu because there's actually a really cool. Um, animated version of that same reading on YouTube as well that you can find that I'll link in the show notes. It's about a little over half an hour long, but it's really cool. And there's another, um, I found a Russian YouTube channel where the guy takes um, Lovecraft stories and he does animated kind of graphic novel style movies to them that are really cool that I'll also link. Um, Wow, I feel like I've been missing out on all these YouTube channels (laughs) I haven't heard of any of them. That sounds awesome. I can't wait to check these out. Yeah, so definitely check those out. Um, yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off in the middle of what no, you were saying, it. Cameron. But no, the yeah, there was a there was one story. I can't remember the the gate through the silver key or something like that. Man, that was uh, when I I hadn't read that one before, and so when I uh, got a chance to listen to that, that was uh, that was a, a great one. I would. Uh, Love to see a campaign based around something like that. Although we've already sort of had it with the Yithians, so uh, 
There's always but, more room for Yithians, though. Yeah. Well, we need to use that in, that Yithian investigator card in more scenarios now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Wouldn't that be fun? But can they build decks? I don't remember. No, they can't build <laughs> decks. Um, Which is a shame. They should release some sort of some sort of uh, deck that you could build for it. That'd that would be, be cool. Just a maybe one of those uh, designer diaries they do on FFG site. Matt can sit down and construct a Yithian deck. That'd be that, awesome. That you could play through a through a scenario through scenarios if you wanted to. All right, Matt Newman, if you're listening, you got three weeks roughly until April first, so get on that. That would be hilarious to read. Um, yes, please. Please please do that. Um, one thing I want to mention is I've been recently reading through the Fall of Delta Green RPG, which is awesome. Um, if you're fans of the outer surrounding um, creative works of the mythos, um, the Fall of Delta Green takes place in the 1960s, and Delta Green is a um, co covert uh, part of the U.S. government that battles and confronts the mythos. So in the game, you're tasked as being an agent, and it's, yeah, it's awesome. Um, they explain things like how the Roswell isn't in is actually a front for the Migos to abduct and steal people, and what they call the Greys. Or the, the aliens are actually, like, constructs of the Migo, and they abduct people for experiments and take their brains. And that's why their brains are so big. Um, and they go into things like various cults, um, like a cult of secret Nazis that uses weird science in combination with Cthulhu rituals. So there's some really cool stuff to check out, even if you're not a fan of playing RPGs or don't have the time but are a fan of the mythos, it's pretty cool to check out. Yeah, I've, I used to play the Call of Cthulhu, Call of Cthulhu quite a bit and, and loved, uh, I loved what you, what you can use the mythos for to graft on to, to sort of everyday events to turn mm -hmm. them into to very sinister events without yeah. too much trouble. Is this a fairly new game, this uh, Fall of Delta Green? Um, so the original Kickstarter was um, started in 2015, but the physical books actually weren't printed until July of last year. So, Oh, okay, so it's fairly new. It's fairly it, are recent. There, are there printed modules for it, or is it something that kind of the community just creates for it? Or um, There are a couple printed scenarios. Um, there's one that's included in the actual book itself, but... Um, I believe they are planning on releasing a collection of um, operations that you can that you can purchase. Uh, you can also alternatively just adapt anything from the original Delta Green game. So for those unaware, um, the Fall of Delta Green and Delta Green are two different games. Um, the Delta Green is set with the Call of Cthulhu rules, and the Fall of Delta Green is set with the Gumshoe rules. Um, so they, they have slight very uh, differences in how they play, but uh, overall they're essentially the same thing. And in the back of the Fall of Delta Green book, there's a conversion kit that allows you to easily just convert them. So, so if you're apt to just converting your already published scenarios from other games, you can easily just plop them into your 1960s setting. Mm 
Um, yeah, I thought it might be fun to do like a, a version of the haunting where instead of going through like an abandoned, an abandoned estate, you're going through like an abandoned drug house. <laughs> you're like, you know, finding crazy people on acid, like worshiping Haster. I thought that'd be kind of neat, but yeah, so that's been pretty much what I've been doing. I've been busy with a lot of personal life stuff lately, but I'm going to be actually getting married in a couple months, so I'll be... Oh, congratulations. Thanks. Congratulations. Um, yeah, so I'll actually be planning on doing a bit of a meetup uh, for any of our German listeners. I'll be in Germany for a couple weeks at the end of May, so uh, hit me up if you want to meet up, and maybe we can play some Arkham in Germany. Um, one thing before we sign off, I do have an extra copy of The Circle Undone, so if you're interested in winning a copy of that, um, the three of us will think of something and we'll figure out a way to give that to you guys, so stay tuned for that as well. Um, I believe there was some other... Some other things for next for next episode? Yes? Yeah, so for our upkeep phase, um, our website, uh, our URL, what is our URL for our website? It is the greatoldonesgaming.com. Perfect. Uh, and we do have a fourth member for the podcast, and it is Nathan Early. He runs probably what is the biggest uh, gaming store in North America, Guardian Games. It's... Uh, pretty awesome store anyways he uh he is at arkham and flames right now as we are recording this so he will be back in the next episode and talk about his experiences there yeah looking forward to hearing that's that's the one put on by the drawn to the flame drawn to the flame gang i believe yes yep is it takes it? place in england and it is a, a mini convention where players arkham horror lcd players get together and just play arkham horror and um it goes through the weekend i think it's three or maybe four days long yes i believe so i believe it's that friday through sunday and this is the first one that they've put together so it's a brand new thing yeah that's amazing if i organized a convention here there'd be me (laughs) and maybe my maybe if i could persuade my boys to play There'd be three of us. There you go. We could turn it into a three-day event, I guess. Just just but, play uh, through each major campaign. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, kudos to the to the drawn to the flame guys for putting that together. That's a that's a massive amount of work. Oh yeah, absolutely. Those guys kill it over there in general. I mean, they yeah. pump out content like no man's business. I don't know what Frank and Peter are doing, but kudos, yeah, man. They're, they're so involved with the community. They're just they're just awesome guys. Yeah. So if you don't, if you don't already listen to them, you should. So, um, but yeah, th- does anyone else have anything to say before we sign off here? Uh, no, just looking forward to the release of the secret name um, coming up. I think it's Thursday. Uh, I'm hoping to get my copy the week after that, and uh, it looks like my schedule is going to be a little freer after once that drops so uh, hopefully i can uh, pump out some playthroughs nice and, nice. Uh, and catch up i feel like i've uh, fallen behind a little bit but uh, that's the thing with these games is that when they're on a monthly release schedule it doesn't take much to uh, 
to yeah. fall behind. And we got like four products pretty much like back to back to back to back to back. So yeah, there was a period there where we it, it felt like every week something new was coming out. I know yeah. It, yeah. it was, was it was literally was, like every week. There was Guardians of the Abyss, then Return to the Dunwich Legacy, then The Circle Undone, and and now the uh, the Secret Name. Yeah, I mean, even, so. like, Shattered Aeons was, like, the month before that, too. So it was, like, Shattered yeah. Aeons, Guardians, into Return to Dunwich, into uh, Circle and Dun. Yeah, it was just, like, boom, ba-boom, ba-boom, ba-boom. And then they were also releasing all the teaser articles for all the Mythos packs in the Circle and Dun, too. So it was just, like, there was a lot to keep up with over the past couple months. Yeah, well, I think we should be grateful for it now because I know, I mean, if you look what's the uh, release schedule for the Lord of the Rings LCG, that has definitely slowed down over the past uh past couple years yeah and it's uh i don't know if they're getting mythos packs monthly anymore or whether it's or i keep calling the mythos packs um adventure packs whether they're getting them uh they're getting them monthly or not but uh it seems like they have to wait a, a long time these days so uh, hopefully we never get to that uh, that point yeah so too Thankfully, um, you know, the Lovecraftian mythos lends itself to a lot of open-ended, um, you know, story ends, so you can really kind of go anywhere with it. Yeah, there's a ton of content, for sure. So, but, um, yeah, so thank you all for listening. It's already been almost two hours. Um, I'm Nate, lost in time and space. Uh, with me are my two co-hosts. Innkeeper Vase Odin from the Twisted Tentacle Inn. And I'm uh, Cameron, better known as Man from Lang from the uh, Whisper in the Dark Whisper in Darkness YouTube channel. Alright, thank you very much for listening. Until next time when the stars align, we'll see you next time. Thank you guys.